Now, we're in uh, Hebrews, and this is the fourth week. We're now going to get into chapter two, only going to cover a few verses there in chapter two. Real, real simple, big idea of the book is that Jesus is better. Jesus is more superior. Um, Jesus is the supreme uh, because of who Jesus is, we're able to endure and overcome and, and to trust in him. Uh, if you've missed any of those messages, you can go to the website and listen to them. Or you, if you haven't downloaded the CTC app, I encourage you to do that. And you can uh, catch up to where we are and see where, where we're headed. Today, I want you to turn in your Bible, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 2. Four verses there we're going to read, just the first four verses. And... I'm going to just grab out of here, take out of here and lay out just some, the heart of what I think he's saying, the writer is saying concerning our salvation and giving it attention. It might be somewhat of a sobering message, I hope, uh, be more like me talking, sitting down, talking to the family probably than, than preaching, but I believe you're going to be blessed. I believe you're going to be encouraged. I believe you're going to be inspired. And I believe the spirit of God is really going to minister to you. You ready for that? Hebrews 2 Verses 1 through 4. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord. And it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Can you say amen to the word? Let's pray. Father, I do thank you that you have given us an opportunity to share the word of the Lord today. And we're asking for your help as we always do. We're asking for the ministry of the word to be effective and to speak right to the minds and the hearts of the hearers. Everyone here, Lord God, we all have particular places in life that we are and particular needs and, and even particular prayers. And Lord, and not necessarily through the words that I speak, will you, will you answer all of those or speak to all of those, but the spirit can go over and beyond. And I'm trusting you to do that. I'm trusting you for your anointing. I'm trusting you, Lord God, that you will fill this vessel. I may be able to pour out, Lord God, just from the overflow, what you have poured in, into me. I'm also, Lord God, praying for the CTC uh, churches in South Africa and in India and in Mexico, Lord God, that they would continue to grow and to flourish and to be healthy. Thank you for those men and women of God that are serving in those places. And Lord, we pray for New Life Ministries here in our city, asking you, Lord God, to, to just give wisdom and and sound leadership to the pastor and his family there. Also pray for the other churches around our community. That are, some are meeting now, some will meet later. But Lord God, it's our hope, it's our desire that wherever people are gathering around the word of God and around worship and that Jesus Christ is exalted and uplifted. Lives are transformed and people are changed. That our city becomes better because Jesus is the Lord of our city. And Father, we thank you. And we trust you just to do an amazing thing. In Jesus' name we pray. May the people of God say amen. Amen. My, my uh, title for the message is No Escape. No Escape. 
I'm going to do a little, just a little word association. I'm not very good at this, but, uh, but this is a good time that we'll, you'll be able to shout out. We'll call this the Josie moment. You'll have a Josie moment where you'll get to shout out. I'll give a phrase <laughs> and you'll get to shout out uh, something that comes to your mind. Uh, I'll make them simple. Peanut butter and red, white, and pigs in... Uh, those are pretty easy. How about this one? Humpty Dumpty. Oh, that's good. That's good. Jack and Jill. Okay. Let's kind of bring it down a little bit more. Sober-minded. If I say the word neglect. Too much. Not one of those ones you just shout something out, is it? You know, um, I read, this was a 20, I want to say 2016 uh, report, although I, I read it, I read it this week, and I believe it was 2016. There are 1,700 children that die every year because of neglect and abuse, 1,700 fatalities every single year. And that, that really breaks down to something like uh, 1.6 children for every 100,000, 2.6, something of that nature. If it was 0. .001, it would be too many. But because of neglect and abuse, I wasn't able to sort out distinct exactly how many for neglect, but exactly how many for, from abuse. Another startling number to me, though, was 6.4% of elderly people over the age of 60 that pass away is for the same reason, either neglect or abuse, over the age of 60. Now, that's, that's horrible. And then I got to thinking, I'm... If my children neglect me, y'all better... <laughs> y'all better vindicate me. No, but, but the very fact that people... Um, in this world, in, in this country, people that we know suffer from neglect is, is astonishing. And, and it, it's, a, it's a heartfelt issue when you, and we know, some of us might even know cases where those kind of things have, have happened and it'll, it'll, bring you, it'll bring you to tears, just the thought that someone was just neglected and that neglect caused whatever things that took place in their life that put them in a very vulnerable position. But this passage brings it even right into the face of all of us. And it's not necessarily talking about neglect of a child as, as difficult as that is. And even when we play word association, when you hear the word neglect, there's probably many things that can go on in your mind. But it brings it right to the heart of our very own life. Because the writer is concerned that we in the body of Christ can all suffer from neglect. And not us being neglected, but us neglecting the very truth and facts of who Jesus is to us. And how we live that out in our life. And he makes a statement, honestly, and, and, I, I, and I'll walk through this a little bit. I'm not totally sure what his... Where, where he lands on this, but he makes a statement 
that that neglect can actually be fatal, that that can be fatal. Now, I'm giving the title of this message, uh, No Escape, and just the big idea of it is just giving attention to what we know about Jesus will keep you from drifting into a danger zone of life and in a danger zone away from God, just giving attention to it. The essence of chapter one, as you may recall, and again, if you have not, I encourage you to, to listen to the messages on chapter one. But the essence of that was describing who Christ is, how great he is, how superior he is, how supreme he is. In comparison to all of the prophets that they knew and all of the priests that they had experienced in their Judaism and the kings that they had had in their life, when some of them were good kings, you know, King David, and you can go right on down the line, but Jesus was more superior. He's a greater priest, a greater uh, prophet and greater king. And by God's grace, we'll share more about that next week. But even greater than the angels. Last Sunday, we spent a lot of time talking about angels and the role they have in their life and how they were viewed even in that day and time. And as we get further down into chapter two, you'll also understand that even though it was Moses that brought down the 10 commandments, that even that was communicated from God through the angels. They had a huge role back then, have a huge role in our life now. But, but he does in chapter two what so many good writers do, and that is lay out the premise of things that you're to believe and then tell you your responsibility. If these things are true in chapter one about who Jesus is, if they're true, since they're true, I'll put it that way, then he, he gives us a rubber meets the road statement. There's a, a response from us that is required and, and imperative. And so he says, with all that we know about Jesus, he says there's a danger of drifting. He uses this word, therefore, and you, you get that, what therefore means whenever you hear it, you, you reflect on what was just spoken. It's, it's clear information, it's truth, it's fact. Jesus is all of that, and a bag of chips, and Briar's ice cream to boot. Jesus is all of that. And since he is, therefore, there's some, there's some action. There's some things that we need to do. Because he says, if you, you, you need to pay close attention, or closer actually is what he says, to the things that you've heard about Jesus. Give closer attention to it. It's, it's not just listening, but it's, it's diving into it. Giving closer attention here is, is a real action word. Give yourself over to attending. That might be a better way of saying it. Instead of just paying attention to Jesus, give yourself to attending to who Jesus is and what that means. And he says, if we don't do that, that he says we're in a danger of drifting away. Now, drifting away, you know, we, can, we can see it on a visual. You know, if, you, if you've been on a boat, and there's often times when you're on a boat, if you're, if you're just just out on the water or out fishing, sometimes you'll just shut the motor off and just let the boat drift. And, and that's, that's, a, that's a good visual of what drifting is. And, you know, there's nece- not necessarily no guidance. You're kind of left to the wind or left to the current, but you don't, you don't feel too threatened. You know you're in a place where you can just drift. And that's, that's the English translation for us. 
But the, the meaning of the word, though, is more than drifting. It, it actually means to slip away or to get, get off in the wrong direction. I've, I've lost a, a, a little weight, and, and so the other day I was talking to someone, and my, my wedding band, of course, is fit for me for, for, for you know, how I, my size of my ring at my finger at the time. And I was standing up talking to somebody, somebody that I hadn't seen uh, in, in a while, and uh, they were asking about the marriage and, and all those kind of things. And this is the first time it's happened. And just one of those embarrassing moments. While I'm talking to him about the marriage, my wedding band falls off. Just slips off. And boom, 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 starts bouncing. And you know, in my mind while I'm chasing the wedding band, I'm thinking, he's sitting here telling me how great his marriage is. He can't even keep his ring on. You know, I, you know how all that stuff, it's, everything is slow motion. It's ping, ping. And I'm, think, I'm trying to think what he's thinking. And I'm thinking, Lord Jesus, let me get this thing before it gets torment. But, but that's actually what, what the word means. It means to slip away. To slip away to where it's out and it's no longer in your grip. Uh, another way it's, it's used in some of the Greek uh, the Greek writings is, is which many of us have, have experienced this when you're eating something and sometimes it happens while we're talking and eating whatever and something sl- goes down the wrong windpipe is that the right word is it windpipe or the wrong we say wrong side of you, but it's a windpipe right it goes down the wrong windpipe and, and you, you get to cough in and all of that and, you're, and you know, you're talking and, and you're thinking this will, this will end in just a minute and, and, uh, and it, you know you keep talking and, you're tr- and then you keep and then you know how people, are you okay? Do you need water? And you just feel like, no, oh, it just went down the windpipe. It'll be fine. And three minutes later, you still, you know, because it's had an effect. It's had an effect on you. It's, it, whatever that was slipped into the wrong spot and caused an effect. The, the other way, another way that it's used uh, in, the, in the Greek writings is also a, a ship that, that, is, that thinks it's going on the right course. And because of the currents and because of the winds, when it's time to get into the harbor, it realizes that it's going to completely miss the harbor, completely miss it. So that's, that's, the, that's the gravity of what the writer is saying. He's saying that if we don't give attention to this Jesus and this salvation that we have, that it can just slip away, just slip away. And I, I thought about this, I talked this over with some of our young folks on just currents in life. I I think all of us, and and I say this because the writer of Hebrews says it, that all of us can be in danger of drifting. All of us can be in danger. Now, I know, you know, when when we become more mature in Christ, there's some things that we think that we're never susceptible to. I, I get that. But at the same time, I think whenever we get that ease in Zion, we need, to, we need to take heed. Whenever we get that ease in Zion, because, because things happen in our life that we just don't anticipate and expect. And, and when you haven't experienced some things, sometimes it's, 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 it's the truth. You know, for a boxer, listen, every boxer has a plan on how he's going to win till he gets in that ring and gets hit harder than he thought he was going to get hit. We got a plan every week for football when we go out on that field until that team does something 
that we didn't anticipate that they were going to do. It's the same way with life. And I think there's currents that can come in our life that may cause us not necessarily to lose our salvation. I want to be real careful with that and, and, and just make sure I land where the writer of Hebrews land. But at the same time, I think I want to emphasize it the way I believe the writer in Hebrews is emphasizing because here in this case, they were going through persecution, as you recall me setting that up in the introduction and community rejection because they went from Judaism to Christianity. And, and as you know, they started thinking about, well, maybe they should make this adjustment in life. Maybe they should go back to this. Maybe they should do those things. And he's warning them. He's saying that's the drifting signs. When, when, When you take attention off who Jesus is and you know who he is, it's not even a matter of even changing your mind about who he is. But you no longer give attention to the salvation that has come through Jesus and the current kind of pushes you away where you start chasing after your wedding band. Are you, are, you, are you following me? Currents that may come. Currents may be of, of doubt. Currents of doubt that might get strengthened by prayers that you prayed that didn't get answered the way that you thought they should. And so over a period of time, those currents keep coming. You pray for things. You pray passionately. You fast about things. You've been told God is a good God and he hears you and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And none of those things seem to fall into place the way you pray. And so a current of of doubt comes along and just causes you just to drift a little bit or currents of unbelief. Unbelief that what you, what you was prophesied over, what you were promised was, was, was going to happen. Maybe it came because of some loss or some, some misfortune. You, 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 you got plans of a wonderful life. You get, you get married. You, 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 you think this is great, great husband, great wife. You got all the, the, the plans that you've laid out of nice house, white picket fence, two or three children, you know, our own pool, preparing ourselves for retirement. All that happens. And then Three years down the road, you lose your spouse totally unexpectedly. And then those currents of unbelief after all the prophetic word and all the promises and you just saw life that way. Or how about currents of of failure? You're you're giving it all you got. You're striving and then you just keep seeing yourself morally falling or, or you have some sinful responses. You know, you, you're still working through whatever, anger or, or, uh, or various uh, emotional expressions, depression or despair. And, and right when you think that you're on track and you're going good, then, then one of those things come back into your life, some bad behavior, and it outweighs your grip on Jesus. And you see yourself drifting because you just keep failing or currents of disappointment, promises, hopes, expectations, unfulfilled or even currents of just cultural norms just cultural norms where 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 people just you're you're in crowds where where now you find yourself thinking a little bit different about certain beliefs and certain behaviors but, but before you know it was fine you 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 had this good crowd and and you didn't have any issues with same sex issues you didn't have any issues with abortion you didn't have issues with some conservative you didn't have issues with those things but now you've given your life to Christ and you got the same circle but some of their cultural norms are no longer yours and so when you're sitting at the table talking about those things and and they're sharing their thoughts about things and then you have to be the voice that says well you know, the Bible says, or I've 
since I've given my life to Jesus, I've learned some things. And then they just come at you like attack dogs. And, and, and just because cultural norm allows that, but, but that's not you anymore. It's not new. You go to the family reunion and before man, not only were you the one that was, that was dishing up all the drinks, you was bringing them. You, you was the one. You, 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 you was the guy that if anybody needed anything, man, just go to my car. I got it all. And now you show up at the family reunion and when they offer you something, no, it's okay. Well, man, let's go to this club. Remember how we used to have fun at that good And man, you know that bartender that you like, she's still working there. She's still, she ain't seen you in years. No, I don't, I don't think I'll go. But that's cultural norm. But it keeps bombarding you and keeps hitting the next, next thing you know, you're feeling like, well, maybe I'm not, maybe I should just fit in and still proclaim Jesus. And, and so you try that a little bit. You try to see how life can be. And, you know, they've got the mindset, I want to reach them. And so I don't want to be the stuffed shirt guy. And so maybe I'll just try to fit in and just kind of keep things to myself. Next thing you know, you find yourself drifting. Am I talking to the right church? A remedy for this, the scripture says, or this writer says, is to pay close attention to what you've heard. We, we have a personal responsibility not to lose sight of the gospel. A personal responsibility to keep before us the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. We got a personal responsibility to not lose the, the, the experience and the expression and the joy of when you first came to Jesus Christ. We got a personal responsibility to keep reflecting on those things that you know are absolutely real that's transformed your life. We got a personal responsibility to do that, a commitment to do it. The church in Galatia struggled with this same issue of drifting. And you might remember this. Paul was very concerned. Church that rose up, a great church, fully understood the law, fully understood grace. Just great stuff that they came to know about Jesus. But, but some folks around them and in the community started troubling them about their beliefs. And basically questioning whether they needed all of that belief in Jesus or, or can't they just simply still be good godly people doing it the way that the rest of the community was doing it. And Paul said this in Galatians 1, 6 and 7, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Now, he clarifies that, not that there is one, but there's some of you, some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what Paul is telling the church in Galatia, you're not necessarily giving up Jesus. You still know what you believe about him, but your whole lifestyle has now shifted to other patterns and practices that doesn't necessarily line up with what you know is true about Christ. Y'all doing all right? And, and, and the question is, and, and he says this, if you turn away or neglect the gospel, what would you do with what plagues you? Because what plagues you is being shackled and bound by your sin. What plagues you is the condemnation that comes upon us because we've rejected the Lord. What plagues us is, is, is knowing that we're imprisoned in our own thoughts, in our own world, in our own mannerisms of doing life that have not brought about the fruitfulness, the peace, the joy, the love, the stability even 
that comes from Christ. If you, if you, if you turn to another direction and give yourself over to another manner of life, even with believing in Jesus, how are you going to deal with what plagues you? Galatians 3.22 says this, but the scripture declared what we, we, that we are all, listen to this, we are all, turn your name and say all, we are all prisoners of sin, all of us. So we receive God's promise of freedom, check this out, only by believing in Jesus Christ. It's the only way it comes is by believing in Jesus. It's, it's not a made-up message, folks. Listen to me. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is not a made-up message. Don't, 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 don't let folks fool you on that. Talking about it's just something that some old folks years ago, thousands of years, and old men wrote. It's, it's not a made-up message. We don't, we don't buy into the gospel like it's designed to work like some opioid. We don't, that's not us. We don't, we, don't, we don't look at the gospel like some fairy tale, as if they're true. And, 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 you know, you can rank, grow up telling your kids about Beauty and the Beast and Hansel and Gretel and Little Red Riding Hood and, and, and Snow White and Cinderella and Jack and the Beanstalk. They're all good fairy tales, but they're not true. And, and, and you can grow up in life trying to fix life according to the fairy tale, but it won't work. This is a message of truth. This is a message that absolutely transforms our life. Jesus came out preaching it. In Mark 1.15, says here, I'm here. The kingdom of God has come. Hear the gospel. It was evidenced by his preaching and his teaching and lives being transformed that way mentally in their mind, but also through the healing and the miraculous signs that even after Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead, when people were still, the religious leaders were being awed by this community of people that was coming together that called themselves Christians, following after the way. They were awed by what they were seeing. And Peter, even here on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, he says this, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazareth by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. So, so Peter is saying to them, I, I don't know why you're questioning the fact that he rose from the dead. Everything else he done, you saw it, you knew it was real, so why not believe that he rose from the dead? We're the same witnesses that saw the signs, saw the wonders, saw the water turn to wine, saw the sun rise up uh, from, the, from, the, from the grave, uh, Lazarus come back from the tomb. We saw that. And we're the same ones that say we saw him resurrect. This is the same Jesus. It's not a fairy tale. The scripture says in Romans 15, 19, so they were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonder, by the power of God's spirit. In this way, I fully presented the good news of Christ. Fully presented it. And and honestly, that, that really brings me to my conclusion. It brings me to my conclusion or concluding issue, and that's this, drifting away will cost you. I'm not sure totally what. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not sure. Most of you know, all of you know, very much come from a reformed way of thinking and absolutely believe in eternal security. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's passages in Hebrews that challenge me, that challenge me. And, and everything about me pastorally with all the integrity I got will absolutely believe what I believe theologically the scripture is saying. But at the same time, I'm going to bring you the passion to say, listen, 
don't jack this up. Don't jack this up. Don't, don't walk this line and just think all is good and all is well. And yes, I know who Jesus is. And yes, I know he died on the cross and then drift away and just live and do the things that you think are all right to do. You better hear this. You better hear this. If, 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 if you're a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm, I'm encouraging you, you need to hear these warnings. If you're not a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then I'm telling you, you need to hear these warnings. On the one hand, life can be all jacked up, know Jesus, and live a raggedy life that don't reflect him at all. If you're not a true believer, it's just eternal damnation. Either way, it's not good. It's not good. You got to care about this. You got to care about this. Indifference won't work on this one. Lack of interest will not work. Apathy will not work. You got to hear this and know that there is a God who is calling us to a place to live a life that reflects what we believe about him. So let me just take the next eight minutes and just just run down some things. I'll I'll give you some thoughts and what you need to do about it. And, And one is this, understand this, theology and life go together. And let me just give you an understanding of what theology is. Theology is the study of God, the knowledge of God. What you know about God and your life must go together. Any Christian doctrine that's been presented to your mind and your will and you've received it by faith, it should be proved by practice. I want you to hear this. If you do believe, if you do trust Jesus, if you do accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, then you will do. If you do believe, then you will do. You will do what Christians do. If you believe about God what you say you believe about God, then you will live according to that. Scripture is real clear in John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. And the second thing is this, and and I, 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 this is probably maybe the most passionate part about this for me is is courageous Christianity will be a deterrent from us drifting. It it, it takes courage. It really does. It takes courage to live this life in the face of all the currents that can come against us and all the mindsets that can be thrown against us and overcoming doubt and overcoming uh, just unbelief and overcoming despair and overcoming things that don't always go our way in life and cultural norms. It it takes courage to to overcome those moments of failure. It takes courage to do it. It, Things can come your way and you can can just lose your oomph. And in the old black church, we used to call it your, your gumption. You can lose your gumption can lose that, that stuff within you that gives you the heart and the drive to get up day after day and courageously fight against the junk that we got to face day after day. It takes courage to be a Christian. Take someone that's going to reach down and say, I am who I say that I am. I am who God said that I am. And I'm going to live that way. It, it takes some gumption to do that. Day after day. One of my favorite Bible characters is a guy named Joseph of Arimathea. You don't read much about him. Just a few little verses. Luke, the end of Luke 24, talks about him being a good man and a noble man. And I believe Matthew says the same thing about him. But there's a passage in John, chapter 19, uh, verse 38, that's just always got me. 
Because listen to this. It says afterward. This is after Jesus had died. He was still hanging on the cross. Afterward, Jesus of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus, listen to this, because he feared the Jewish leaders. Did did you hear what I just said? He was a secret disciple. He he was concerned about what people was going to think and what they were going to say. This guy was in the Sanhedrin court. He was one of the 70 men that led the nation. He was concerned about it, but he believed in Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. He saw the things that he wanted to do. And he had a buddy, actually. He had a buddy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is in John chapter 3, also part of Sanhedrin, came to Jesus at night and asked him, what must he do to be born again? Because he he was afraid of what people thought. The currents of the stuff of life could have came at him. He could have lost his status and lost his position. But let me tell you what did it. He watched Jesus died for him. And in that moment, he said, I got to get some courage. I can't stay secret. Jesus died for me. And he went to Pilate. He said, give me the body of Jesus. Give me the body of Jesus. Who are you? Are you you're just a sanitizer? No, I'm not. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I'm getting some courage and I want my savior. We got to get some courage. Get some courage about this thing. Philippians 1, 27 and 28, courage is warfare. I love this passage. It says, above all, watch this. You must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you're standing, watch this, side by side, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them, talking about fighting side by side for our faith. This will be a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed, but you're going to be saved by God himself. Some warfare in that courage. And this is, this is the last thing, and team, you can come. Neglecting what you know is true is inescapable. There's no way out of this. There's no escape. You're you're going to have to answer for where you stand with the Lord. You're going to have to answer. There's no escape. Listen to Hebrews 12, 25. It says, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. There's no escape. You're gonna have to answer. You say you believe what, who Jesus is and what he said, you, you say it, there's, there's no escape to that. First Thessalonians 5, two to three, this really speaks when we, when we think life has gotten to a good place and, and you haven't considered who Jesus is. It says, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly Like a thief in the night. Listen, when people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then sudden disaster will fall upon them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there will be no escape. No escape. Listen, church, here's what Paul said to Timothy and he probably says it best. This is a trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 
and I stand in the place of Paul, I'm the worst of all, but I've received mercy for this reason so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus, might be demonstrated an extraordinary patience as example to those who would believe him for eternal life. Whew, it's a marvelous thing to know that Christ loves us that much. And I'll close with this passage and let you go. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he's made all this plain to us by appearing, by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our savior. Listen to this. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality. 